The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. You must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast or one of the hosts. Here's Let's Ride and panics because he thinks it means we're going to the vet. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And on this beautiful, glorious, perfect Tuesday afternoon, I am joined by the one and only Dominique Foxworth. Dominique, uh, how you doing, man? I'm great. I know you're tired, but I also know... It's a fatigue that you're happy to have because you won your Super Bowl last night. Like you, right? Uh, this was it the really one was. game if you could pick any all season to win because you're you're not anticipating like making the playoffs or making a deep no. run. This no. was it, and now you can lose the rest of them and get Bryce Young. Yeah, I said that, but then of course the, my fan brain immediately kicks in. I'm watching Geno Smith going, you know, 15 for 16 or whatever. And, and that lizard part of my brain that's starting to fight the rational part is like, maybe, perhaps. And I hate it. I hate that about myself. Um, yeah, I, I there's so much like to talk about with, with this game. So just to remind folks, um, Dominique and I are doing this show every Tuesday and we're going to be recapping Monday Night Football and then we're going to talk a little bit, or a lot actually, afterwards about some of the things we liked and didn't like from the weekend. But we're going to start with Monday Night Football. Um, I also want to say something. Um, because we have this new show format, I-, I would love to hear what you guys think of it. So I haven't asked for reviews in a while, but if you can let me know how you feel about it, how you feel about the guests, let me know guests you'd like me to have, have me you'd like for me to have on on Thursdays leave it in the reviews I would love to see what you think Dominique uh everybody starting with the 64 yard field goal yeah I feel like it's hard to start anywhere else right but it's also really boring because everybody have you found a single person on earth who thinks that was a good idea no, because um, not only was it the wrong decision to kick the field goal, they went about the kicking of the field goal in the wrong way. So, like, if you're going to kick the field goal, still preserve the time so you can potentially get the ball back. But I think we could go a di- slightly different direction in that let's not criticize Nathaniel Hackett for that one decision. Let's criticize him for the whole game of poopy decisions and sloppy execution and goal line fumbles out of confusion and like all of it. Like you got Russ, you got talent everywhere. The defense played pretty well or very well, actually. And you end up with three trips to the red zone in the second half and three points. And it was just a mess. And then. The kicker, so if you want to not talk about the fact that they didn't choose to kick, then we can talk about how they saved all their timeouts and decided to start calling them after you wasted 50 seconds and missed the field goal, and now he's like, maybe we can get the ball back with 15 seconds left. Let's start rattling off these timeouts now. Can't take them with us. I let's okay. Let's focus on the Broncos side of this. You know, when we were talking about this team and what might derail <sighs> oh, them or what the potential pitfalls might be, um, something I think like kind of came up, but only tentatively, and perhaps is something that we should have spent more time talking about is the fact that none of these coaches have any experience. I was watching that and I was thinking that the you know offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, th- this whole staff, of, and then with Hackett, of course, being the first time head coach, is so. Inexperience, and I heard someone this morning on TV say, "Yeah, who? Why didn't someone come up to Hackett and tell him not to do that or give him advice?" And I was thinking, like, well, there's no seniority there. Like, there's Mike Munchak's not there anymore. There's no one there to really tell him what's what. Um, and I think it showed not only in the final decision making and the clock management, but the penalties, the fact that the defense, I thought, though they looked played really well in the second half, came out really flat in the first half. Um, some of the offensive execution errors. I kind of hate the fact that we all have to. I keep. Doing, I, I've thrown out like twenty like we and straw mans in this, so I don't want to do that. But this, I'm in Bristol, so like I'm, yeah. I'm marinating yeah. in the takes right now. <laughs> um, but you know, there's this discourse right now about whether teams should be playing in the preseason, and it's silly on some ways, really? in some levels, because 
we just talked saw the Vikings, who I'm going to talk about later. They didn't play in the preseason. They look freaking great. So I don't think it's like a league-wide thing. But I did feel watching this team in particular with this coaching staff and all of the differences there and the new quarterback, like maybe they should have played in the preseason. Um, yeah. Because, you know, they yeah, they just look so discombobulated. The issues, though, are not with players playing in the preseason. I think, that, as is the case in many problems in our lives is we pick one variable and we're like that's the reason why when actuality it's probably a bunch of other things that you can't control so like Aaron Rodgers sucked this week because he didn't come to voluntary workouts and get the people like I had to fight that fight today this morning like stop it that's ridiculous so in this case in this particular case there's an order of operations and normally teams have that sorted out and when you are having calls that don't get in until they're late, so you're rushed and um, inevitably fumble on the goal line because of it, it seems like there is – sorry, what's that? Oh, no, no, no. I, I will say, as far as the calls go and the, the play clock ticking down, seemingly throughout the course of the game, Russell Wilson was having struggles with the play clock. That's a Russell Wilson thing. That is a, uh, you know, I was watching that from the other side in the field and being like, oh, I know this song where, um, you know, they're waiting yeah. until the very end to snap it and it really like pushing it. And at times you're very confused why, um, it, that's happening. So I, I, I hear you on sort of the, the well, coaching the, side of it and all that. The but goal yeah. line, the goal line part certainly seemed like that was not a rest thing. That felt like a play call thing, but we can put that aside and go to like the end of game decision. So every team I ever played for, we ended every practice doing two minute drill. And the point of that was not just so the quarterback could practice calling the plays or we could practice on defense, um, not huddling and getting our calls across or whatever. It was also so the coaches could practice their scenarios. And Nathaniel Hackett is the son of a coach who's been around this game long enough. And I would be willing to extend him some bit of latitude because he's a first-year head coach. I'd be willing to extend him some more latitude if something happened this in this game that never happened before. This was a run-in-the-mill like yeah. end of game situation. Yeah, it's like it's like a rookie too. quarterback like missing on a five-yard yeah. out and us being like, "Oh no, it's cool. It's his first game." Like, no, that's what you do. The, this the is the level like, of yeah. yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting. I'm sorry. No, the level fine. of difficulty. The level of difficulty was not high, um, which makes me think the solution is that we don't need to have this preseason discourse about the players. We need a preseason for coaches, where we we as the audience get to watch them handle clock management and like make decisions in real time that's what i want to watch they need it for themselves not just for our amusement but for themselves to get prepared for the season because it's clear that he like he froze it wasn't fight or flight he just froze in that situation and what made it even worse for me and um the same way you said we and you feel like uh uh espn like uh I don't know, clone person. I kind of feel like the ex-athlete person by saying as a player, because as a player, I found it really uncomfortable to listen to him try to double down and defend a bad decision. What I want to hear as a player in that situation is that's on me, guys. And he doesn't have to say that to the media. Maybe he can say it to them privately. But like, I blew that. You're out there putting your bodies on the line, giving me everything you got. I appreciate that. I blew it with the bad decision. But instead, he got up there and tried to argue that he made the right decision that is, like, obviously wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've all seen the numbers about Big Manus and the fact that nobody makes them. It would have been a record, obviously. Um, I'm sorry. I'll cut you off back. It's not just that the numbers were there. It's also that he went about kicking the field goal in the wrong way. Like he didn't even yeah. call the timeouts before. So the timeouts were bad. actually the timeouts were actually worse than the final decision right. in many ways. Um, how did you actually feel about Russell Wilson? So set, setting aside yeah. Hackett, you know everybody agrees with that. Like, what did you think of him in this offense? How did he look to you? What struck you about his play? Yeah, I thought the offense in general was like up and down. Russ ended up with three forty, which is a lot of yards. He seemed like he didn't really have too. I think there were questions about. How good is he really right now? I think he's still Russell um, after watching this game. The red zone issues, they can be solved. He put that a couple of really like – he threw that pass to Judy, which was a terrible throw. 
but yeah. Judy was incredible and made something out of it. But he threw some other, like, really accurate. The one in the corner of the end zone where the tight end was barely out. Like, he did yeah. some Russell things through the course of the game. And I was like, all right, he's fine. As long as they don't ruin this, he'll be okay. It's exactly what we've been saying all offseason. Like, it's going to be the Russell Wilson offense, and it was the Russell Wilson offense. Like, he looks exactly like he did in Seattle. I will say, I, I did think he was a little bit off throwing deep, including the aforementioned underthrown ball to Judy. He missed a couple of throws on go balls that he usually makes. But otherwise, I thought he looked fine. He looked accurate. Largely made good decisions. Um, the only thing that like I would be concerned about as a Broncos fan is what we saw was a continuation of something we've seen over the last couple of years, which is no mobility. I mean, yeah. he ain't moving. <laughs> I mean, Geno Smith outrushed him, which uh, I don't know if there was a, a bet for that, but I would not have placed that bet. Uh, and I think that's something that's going to probably continue, frankly, because he's, what, 33 or something, 33? Like, you know, I don't really see that him turning back the clock there. Um, but, you know, largely, like, from just to kind of wrap this up with the Broncos, like, they should have won this game. They outgained Seattle by 200 yards. They lost. They went 0 for 4 in the red zone. They had the fumbles. I don't think the defense is going to be that undisciplined again in terms of the penalties. They'll figure things out. They clearly figured things out as the game went on and, and the pressure looked better and better. So, like, I feel like this is probably the worst game they'll play, honestly, as a team, um, given the level of competition. But it was just a brutal, brutal brutal start um to quote richard sherman he's gotta win this one uh uh, can we talk about what i'm saying before we get to the seahawks about the entire legion of boom uh standing on the sidelines like that one meme of the guy at the hater at his funeral like they were yeah they don't hide it at all i mean doug baldwin tweeting the uh gif Sassy cheerleader, like, uh, yeah. The gymnast, I think, I forget who, it's Lori, what was her name? She, her, um, anyways, I don't remember, Olympics, but can you think of an example of a guy whose former teammates are so, like, this isn't just like, I don't know, yeah. Greg Jennings exactly. going after Rogers. Yeah. This is a lot of players, and it's pretty it's, stunning. It's not a guy who's been that good. And at that position, like I normally being being hated. Yeah. Yeah. Normally yeah. it's like like you mentioned, like Greg Jennings or somebody like that. And still it's they don't like galvanize around the, the quarterback or the team in that situation as much as they did around the organization. And trust me, guys don't like their teams. Like, no one really ever retires because they wanted to. No one ever gets paid as much money as they think they deserve. So for them to come out there and be like, yeah, we're on the Seahawks side. Like, they really don't like Russ. And I don't know him. Yeah, I mean. He just comes off as odd and corny, though. Like, wearing that tuxedo and just everything about him just is very intriguing. He wore it after the game too, which takes yeah. a big man to wear to wear that outfit as your losing outfit via temptation style tux. Um, had to fly back on the plane and that. <laughs> oh my god! Um, uh, okay, I swear I'm not coming out of the Seahawks game thinking we got some like we're gonna you know I don't think they're a playoff team, but I also think that and and this is was something like you know it's not. I guess should have been a little bit obvious before the season. They were never going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I saw, you know, they're and funny enough, by the way, I, I talked about this with Levitard today. All of the quote unquote terrible teams kept it close this weekend, which might be a thing. There might just not be terrible teams in the NFL this year. The Texans, the Bears, the Falcons, the Giants, like the Commanders. I think those are, like, when we did our team draft, I believe those were the teams taken near the bottom, and they either won or looked decent and might reflect. I, I feel like this year there might it just might be like a two-tier league where there's, like, the you know the Chiefs, the Chargers, et cetera, the, the really elite teams, and then kind of everybody else, and... That's interesting, but and I would say that Seattle falls into that category. Um, to me, offensively, I, it wasn't like fluky what we saw from Geno Smith. No. I mean, yes, thank you, because I think people were shocked. They're like, "What is happening?" It's like, no, like Geno's done this always. Like, yeah, he is an accurate quarterback. He stands tough in the pocket. 
Um, he he's got a little bit of wiggle to him. You know, he he was making a few throws on the run too. He is not a terrible quarterback by any measure, and I think you know the the fact. I don't think he's. He's never, I think what we probably saw his best half of football play all season, honestly. Like, I don't, you know, but the, I, you know, the idea that he can't run an efficient offense, in particular, I think Shane Waldron's offense, which is really well suited to what he does. Well, I think we saw that was proven wrong pretty quickly. Yeah, they're going to be okay. And I, I mean, you can have a little bit of hope. Like, it's okay to have, I mean, the standings, they're number one. The 49ers uh, don't know about their quarterback. The Cardinals are like there's a number of issues with that team from the defense to the coach to the general manager to the quarterback. Like there's lots of questions there and the Super Bowl hangover combined with the missing parts in L.A. Let me get a little hope. You guys might mess around with the division. You know you're We're thinking not, it. They're not. They're no. I'm not thinking you're with thinking the, it. Stop it. I'm the, the Rams that. are fine. The, stop oh, it. I'm not thinking that. it. I will say, that. I'm not zero. zero, zero. <laughs> okay, this is gonna sound. This is gonna be the most like homerist, saltiest sounding thing I'll say, and I don't mean it this way. But I would rather that Russell Wilson was the quarterback of the CLCX. I think he is a better quarterback than Geno Smith. That said. It was kind of enjoyable to watch a normal offense. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's just something about like, oh, the ball's coming out quickly and it's getting snapped quickly. And there's a lot of like short to intermediate routes that are suddenly available in this offense. They're using the tight ends. The special, well, he did have one like bizarrely incredible throw <laughs> across his body. But, but for the most part, you know, we know that the special explosive plays are not going to be there but the consistency was kind of nice. It was like uh, normal. I don't know. It's like I'm with you, you, you want to you yeah. want a Volkswagen and not a Lamborghini. <laughs> it's not functional week to week. I feel you. You want to get to work on time. You don't ever want to be cool. I'm, I'm like Sierra going to future to Russell Wilson, but the football <laughs> version of that. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, Russell, Russell I had my wild times. <laughs> I'm ready to settle down. Give me those, give me those eight yard hitches and slants, man. (laughs) I'm, I'm enjoying it. Give it to me. Um, Oh man! I think Rashad Penny looked. Rashad Penny looked incredible as he left off. He looks. He is really special too. It's not just like like he his cuts and his vision, his patience, and then the explosiveness coming out of his cuts. It's all really, really good. I Um, mean, in the NFC in general, not just not just NFC West. It's kind of weak this year. Mess around, get hot, end up in a Super Bowl. Is it is it surprising to you that Jamal Adams is lost for the season? But like, it's not like a huge story today. No, I mean, I guess uh, it it would have been a huge story if we didn't. I mean, it would have been part of the story. But you know better than I do because you follow this team more closely than than I do. But Jamal Adams was like a difference maker for a couple of games, but like he hasn't really had the positive impact on this team that I think the trade suggested that, uh, or the, the amount that they traded for suggested that he, he would, like he hasn't done things like Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. is doing, uh, and the Steelers who was also traded for a huge sum. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like he feels like he's a, his coverage skills are not, to the level that you would need him to be to be an impact player, say like a Derwin James or somewhere something something like that. Like he's a big ass, or he's a a big ass safety, a small ass linebacker, like a pass rusher kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it changes what they do defensively. Um, I, Ryan Neal, I believe, is next in line to start for him. He's looked okay. Um, but you know, it's this is a very inexperienced secondary, and I will say, I think that to me was probably the the biggest problem with Seattle yesterday is you just saw that on display. Uh, I mean, they, they, they were starting rookies, cornerbacks. They got a Kobe Bryant. They got a Michael Jackson back there. Would you rather be... Uh, this is actually a frock conversation. Never yep, mind. Exactly. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about something else. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's... You know, this is a pass... I actually was surprised they didn't pick on them even more. But I thought CX pass rush... Was, you know, it was actually pretty impressive at points. Chen and Wosu, I thought, was probably the best player on the field defensively, who was their big pickup. Um, but, you know, it's not an elite unit. Like, there's, I think what we saw is there's some good players across the board, and I could see them getting better because they're young. 
Um, you know, the rookie corners are going to get better. Tariq Woolen, who's the gigantic cornerback you guys saw defending Cortland Sutton. He, he's from UTSA. Like, it's crazy that he's even defending Kurt, Cortland Sutton and held up reasonably well. Um, but, you know, like, I, I playing, when I imagine them playing one of the, like, the truly high-powered passing attacks in the NFL, it, that's where the dream starts to fall apart a little bit. Well, I mean, I think the dream starts to fall apart a little bit. Um, you ask him to do it every week. But I think the Broncos, from a talent standpoint, they fit the bill of truly high-powered offense. So, like, I, them not getting embarrassed out there is really encouraging and positive. And they're only going to get better. Like, they're going to have some bad weeks here or there. But generally, young players get better over the course of that first season and second season. So this team – it's promising. You you're you're right. drinking the yeah I, I no you're. I was just trying to coax you in to get excited because it's so. Much I'm not getting fun. coaxed. <laughs> I'm I I I have held back so much. I held back going into the game. I was like we're gonna get crushed. Uh, I picked the Broncos in the Survivors League. I told you about. Um, and I'm I my you know I still have pretty low expectations. But for me, success this season is exactly what you described, which is the young players looking better, like the rookie tackles who I thought. You know, showed a lot. Obviously, Cross got beat a little bit at the end there against Riley Chubb, who's a very good pass rusher. But, like, you could see a universe in which this is a football team next year that a good quarterback wants to be on. <laughs> and <laughs> Man, you already disrespected Gino. You're writing them off. Also, you ain't getting no letters back. What? Let me let me toss a take to you. This is the kind of take that is perfect for you. I, I want to I want to take let's take shop this. OK, right, I haven't. It. This is the first time I've used this take. OK, right now, my big takeaway, Dominique, coming from this weekend is that the AFC is uh, not just a bloodbath now, but going to be a bloodbath forever because it has Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen and freaking Justin Herbert, who were the three like stars of the weekend from a quarterbacking perspective. And it kind of sucks, by the way, that not only are two of those teams in the same division, but that only one of them can go to the Super Bowl. If I'm Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, I pull an Eli. I force my way to the NFC. I go to the Seahawks, team that is ready for me. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I generally player power. I'm with it. I hate the draft in general. Salary caps is a problem. So anything that players can pull a Eli or a John Elway, there is a history of doing this. It may not work so well for Bryce for a number of reasons, but good luck. Listen. Seattle, that division is going to be winnable pretty soon. Yeah, we were just it's talking. Winnable this year, it's winnable this year. I think the Rams are better than they looked week one. I will say, I think that that if that if I had to pick like one like kind of overreaction, I think the Bills are just so good, and I think there's a yeah. little bit of a you know we're right, uh, under recognizing the level of competition there. Okay. Um. Okay. So wrapping this up, what are your expectations now for the Broncos based on this? Uh, this doesn't change my expectations for the Broncos. Um. Okay. I guess the the hope is, or the expectation is that Nathaniel Hackett and his staff figure out a better way to handle these end-of-game situations. So it really sucks for this to happen in their first game because this is going to be hanging over him. Like, if he has anything close to a slip-up, kind of like how Mike McCarthy was last year, we are going to be analyzing the hell out of your late-game situations. I'd like to take shop another take. All right. How is there not, like... A person out there, like, given how much money these NFL teams have, how much they spend on, I mean, freaking long snappers make a million dollars. Someone, I know that there's teams who have people who help with clock management, but what about, like, a true mercenary, a closer, who can come in and just, like, really put the coach through the paces, take them to boot camp? Like, I don't understand how this is still, even the, the, Bengals, too, there are issues with clock yeah. management at the end of that game. I'm, I just don't understand how in 2022 there are still NFL teams who struggle with this stuff. Well, the coach, the head coach is the guy who's going to be making these decisions. The head coach doesn't have a boss, and the head coach is making his time, is allocating his time to the things that he thinks are most important. And, yeah, but they don't think it's important. What they think is important is the stuff that got them this job, is designing these plays and and like coaching the players and all that sort of stuff. I fully agree with you is 
either like give this responsibility to someone else. Like the processes aren't hard. Like lots of businesses have processes to account for much more complicated things than this. So like you should absolve yourself of that responsibility. And like if you are in that role, if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, it's like, all right, what I do is call plays, which he's never done before, but I do that now. I'm going to be prepared to call for the next down. There are three potential scenarios. I'm going to have those in my mind. I'm going to call my play. And if there's someone else who's responsible for calling timeouts and deciding clock management, then they could butt in. I got my play called. And we can have these conversations throughout the course of the game. You can go through all these scenarios ahead of time. And to me, it doesn't feel like it's that hard. I haven't done it before. It's obviously difficult. It's obviously challenging because too many like NFL coaches mess it up. But it seems so simple and so obvious. Like Peyton Manning is in the Manning cat. Well, I mean, I shouldn't even bring Peyton. Everybody. I was at Everybody. home like white well, not at home in the hotel room was like what, screaming. What are you what are you doing? Really? Sixty four? We, we couldn't even debate it on first take. <laughs> that is the litmus test for consensus in this country. Oh gosh. Oh, All right. After the after the break, let's take a quick break and let's come back and talk about things we liked and didn't like. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com Mina for a $3 trial set. All right, Dominique, I don't like calling people losers. That's not true. I love calling people losers. But I don't like calling people I don't know losers. So this segment is now called Winners and Woof. Like not not woof in a good way, but like woof in a, like a woof way. So, uh, you know, woof can be woof is one of the words I think where intonation can really yeah. change. Like you can you can woof can mean so many different things like um you know, uh, when you, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe this phenomenon. When you see an attractive person walking down the street, perhaps somebody might go, woof. <laughs> <laughs> so who is this somebody and why don't they go back to the 1950s? It's like, it's like a cat collar, but the dog version. <laughs> woof. I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that. Woof. Woof. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Woof. All right. No, you're not. You're making me laugh. Mine is the negative one, which is woof, which is not the way I typically use it. Let's start with the winners, though. Who's your winner from the weekend? Um, not the winner, a winner. A winner, Tua. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a little interesting. This was the best possible version. Like, it's, uh, he wasn't great. Okay. But he was good. And the reason wow. why he's a winner is because. He won, and he has time to improve and grow into this. Like, the the worst scenario is him being good and them losing because no matter what, the, the criticism is going to come down on him, right? I think that's a bad outcome. I don't like your face. You don't, you don't, like, you don't like my winner. 
I don't agree with your analysis, but this isn't you're you're negging him. That's not a winner. I'm not negging him. I think that he was okay, which <laughs> is a start. That he was under the most of. I mean, I guess Jalen Hurts in him are like quarterbacks under the most amount of pressure this year, and it didn't sink him. He made some really impressive throws. I was really impressed with the offense, the plays that they designed for him. He was not perfect, but he has something to build on. Like, this to me was an interesting game for him and a winner and encouraging going forward. It wasn't perfect, but it was a start. No? You want all no, no, out winners? I, okay. Patrick no, no, Mahomes, no, 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 no. We're done. I want to talk, I wanna talk about He's the great. Dolphins because I think um, it to me – what I saw was success for them this season would be kind of Tua basically doing what Jimmy Garoppolo did in the Niners offense. And that's what he looked like. Um, He looked like a very like accurate facilitator who largely kept the ball out of harm's way, you know, wasn't really much of a playmaker, but you don't need your quarterback to be a playmaker to a point when you have playmakers all over the field and holy crap, right? Like we spent all summer talking about the speed of the Dolphins offense, but seeing it on display in real time was something else. Seeing Jalen Waddle house that slant, by the way, Mike McDaniel, real winner going for a fourth and seven. Love that. Um, Loved, by the way, I, I, the whole game, I thought he was fantastic. I don't know how you felt, yeah. but it seemed to me like he had the Patriots defense's number, had the right call for every moment, did a great job of taking advantage of some of their coverage looks and, yeah, um, and also to some extent mitigating the pressure they were sending as well. But as far as yeah, the the Dolphins' offense, like they that looks like one of the best skill groups in the NFL. I yeah, I mean, they only scored one touchdown, but I guess maybe I would modify my winner to the all the Dolphins, like the Dolphin fan base. The Dolphins are big winners this weekend. They didn't blow out uh, New England, but I thought this was what? like for a debut. This was an encouraging start. What? Let me spin zone it a little bit too. The, I feel when I was watching, I was struck by I, I I felt like I had not spent enough time talking about the Dolphins defense yeah. because they were fantastic. Yes. Um, and I think what was amazing is they, they've got superstars like obviously Xavier Howard. You cannot throw on um, Javon Holland. I think is fantastic at safety. But they also have like role players at every level. I was I was thinking about this like Zach Sealer is like incredible. Their defensive tackle, he's like a really really good defensive tackle. Um, Jalen Phillips making plays, you know. Um, it's from top to bottom. They pretty much ran it back this year. They didn't make a ton of changes, but watching them, even you know after Brian Flores moved on, I was kind of like, oh, they didn't really need to. Like they're still really really good. They're still really really confusing. They they the games that they play up front are utter chaos and. Um, the Patriots were just totally, totally unprepared for, even, which was that also was shocking. If that they could be a wolf, but yeah, yeah. I, they look. Let me write. They, the Dolphins are the winners to me, rather than perhaps Tua, because they look like a, a playoff team. Like I, I actually, I would say now they're firmly in my AFC wild card bracket. Yeah, after Week One, I think I, I mean I had them there before Week One, but there were some question marks that I think got answered. The expectation of the defense returning to be as good as they were last year. Like, I believe that was possible, but losing Brian Flores and generally, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, that defenses can fluctuate um, a lot more than offense can from year to year. So there were still some questions around that. Seeing them come out and play the way that they did, albeit against defensive coaches coordinating the offense, Against a legitimate NFL offense, they played really well, scored a touchdown, and just kind of dominated. So that is the recipe. That's the San Francisco recipe. Get a lot of playmakers, play really good defense, and say, hey, quarterback, don't blow this. And Tua didn't blow it. He seemed to know where the ball should go. He made decisive. He was decisive in anticipating and made passes. He's not going to do one of those mutant things that we see uh, from those other AFC quarterbacks that you're talking about. But – that might be enough for now. And this talk about locations that might be attractive for a quarterback to go. That's another one that could be. A, well, I guess no, you would no, be no, in Josh no, Allen's no, no, division. No. Bryce Young, TJ, I'm you're sorry. listening. Don't go to the Dolphins. You don't want the Dolphins. Force your yeah. way to the Seahawks. Yes, the weather's be, much better in Seattle. You, you want to be in the NFC. the NFC. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be in Josh Allen's division. 
Um, humping people on the field. It really is like a crazy time with like those three quarterbacks. Like you call them yeah. mutants. Like they on average, like routinely make the wildest throws. Especially the next day when you get to see them all from end zone view, and you're like, that doesn't make yeah. sense. Like literally yeah. nothing about the way the physics, the way the ball, and then they're just lost to the sands of time. We just move yeah. on. It's like a, it's right. like a 1 p.m. game, and it'll be like Patrick Mahomes, you know, side arming it through his legs with one hand <laughs> over his eye to, f- yeah. to you know, right. and then we just like forget about it. It's yeah. such I, a weird time to be alive. I made this. Um, I kind of stumbled onto this realization on my great great podcast. Um, Check it out. Yeah, you should. Uh, that it feels like. Kinda like when the iPhone came out, and like, um, like Russell Wilson is like a Kodak camera, and like uh, Dak Prescott, like these guys who, and I guess Russell's better than Dak, but in general, like what Dak is is like what everybody wanted. It's like a, a stable, good quarterback. And like, okay, there was some, there was like one mutant in the league every now and then that could transcend. But then all these guys came in the league and they're like the iPhones. Like they do so much, so much better than these other guys mm-hmm. that they made these players who were assets before. And like the comment before, or at least the 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 player you're looking for, for before was like a franchise quarterback. And yeah. Dak Prescott is like the definition of a franchise quarterback. Yes, he's a franchise quarterback. These other guys, these three names that you're naming, I would throw Lamar Jackson in there also. Yep, Lamar. They are something different than franchise quarterbacks, and it's just not right for them all to be here at the same time. It just changed the league, and the expectation change. And I, I'm sure it goes back to, like, how young we're coaching them and – like us, the evolution of offenses to not be only looking for like six, five guys who stand in the pocket, bringing in athletes who would like Josh Allen may not have played quarterback 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. They might have tried to turn him into a rush in or a tight end, probably more likely. So like the the league has changed so much and it, it feels like having just having a franchise quarterback is almost not enough anymore. You got to have one of these these mutant iPhones. I would be so frustrated if I was the, I don't know, Nokia in your, like the flip phone. Who's, who's the yeah. most flip phony quarterback in the NFL? <sighs> who's like true neutral? <laughs> it's Kirk Cousins, right? It's always Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk yeah. Cousins like yeah, right. The... He's like good. He plays on time. Yeah. He's accurate. He's mechanically sound, but he ain't going to create like these guys. Like he's not going to like. Is, what is Carson Wentz? Like, because Carson Wentz has the ability to be the iPhone every now and then, but he also is like a rotary phone from time to time. It's just he's just like a phone. You got an iPhone, but you didn't want to spring for the good provider. You like getting a cheap provider. Like yeah, he's yeah. got all the tools, every, but yeah. every now and then the call comes through cl- crystal clear. But then half the time, you're like <laughs> drop. He's holding it up to the sky. <laughs> um, okay, well, you mentioned Kirk Cousins, so that's a segue to my winner. Uh, this is, I feel like, other than the freak quarterbacks, the mutants, as you called them, um, Justin Jefferson is the winner of the weekend uh, because he just looks simply uncoverable. And, you know, it's not surprising. He was awesome last year. I think before we even saw what the scheme looked like, there was the assumption that in the Cooper Cup role, Cooper Cup role, um, he would be awesome given that, you know, he was so good in the slide at LSU and that he's so complete. He's really like, I, I think part of the reason why there's been talk about him for some time as being potentially the best wide receiver in the NFL, even with cup and Adams is that he can literally do everything. I think Adams can do everything too, but yeah. the length, the speed, the, you know, just contested catch ability, yards after the catch, the route running his like the ability to use leverage, his releases, it's all there. Yeah. He's the total package. And then, um, you know, to see it on display, to see how good Kevin O'Connell was at getting him open, moving him around, the motion, the stacks, the, he, the way he was hiding him, getting all the matchups he wanted. I, as a defensive coordinator, that, it's, a, it's a nightmare, like, watching that. And it was interesting to watch from the broadcast angle at first because he he's now one of those broadcasts, those players who are on broadcast, you just don't know what the hell's going on because you're like... Yeah. 
all of a sudden he's just there's like not a guy around him for 10 yards and again when you don't see what's happening in the route he's running it's just so immensely frustrating probably if you're rooting for the other team but I feel like that's going to be the situation all season long yeah you nailed it I was really coming in here ready to break it all down and explain to you why Justin Jefferson was so wide open and it wasn't because um the Packers didn't know he was good or the Packers were bad or stupid or their players or whatever. Like the play design was ingenious from Kevin O'Connell and to be able to like, they were in a cover four a lot. And so when you see the highlights, you like see a linebacker trying to tackle him. You're like, what the hell are they doing? They got a linebacker Mm -hmm. covering them. Or you see a safety trying to run with him. Like, damn, they're dumb. He just had a big play. And now they got a, they got Savage or Amos trying to run with him. But no, when you rewatch the film, you can see the motions and stack like they're in cover four. They find ways to put them in position to force you to either like corrupt your coverage or he has to be guarded by a linebacker. And yeah. or you just have to stop running. You have to run man all game and just lock Alexander on him or something, which then exposes everyone else who's not comfortable with playing man all game. Like he Yeah. There there are guys who and you and I talk about this a lot, is like what you need to be good. Uh, on offense or defense in general is like you need one thing that you can rely on, be it a a play or a player, and then everything builds off of that. So that's Justin Jefferson. He's so good that you're going to have to contort yourself to stop him. And if you do stop him, everything else is breaking down. How many times when they were in quarters did Kirk Cousins just target him in the flat and he was able to pick up an additional five plus yards because of his speed and his ability to modulate his speed. It's, it's a nightmare. There were times I will say where the Packers zone did not look sound. I think one of them was maybe it was like the deep over where they were playing. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? (laughs) Somebody, somebody, somebody done messed up. But um, I want to go back to what you just mentioned, which is the issue of man, because coming out of this game, I think there was uh, a lot of people had questions. Okay, you have Jair Alexander, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, who can play man and zone equally well. Right. Um, why don't you just man him up? And afterwards, I think it was uh, Matt LaFleur, not Joe Barry, one of them was like, well, then, as you p- pointed out, we just can't, you know, we, we're one, we're his own defense, but two, like, everyone else can't just play man all game long. And um, I was wondering, like, going forward, if you're a defense watching this and a defense that has a number one cornerback, like, for example, Los Angeles. I don't know if they're playing, but I think that's a really good analogy. Or it's a similar defense that plays a ton of zone and has a cornerback in Jalen Ramsey, who we would probably put in that same tier. How would you approach this matchup? Well, Jalen Ramsey uh, plays everywhere. Yeah. So you can lock Jalen Ramsey and still play zone. Because if you motion Justin Jefferson, so Jalen's at the corner spot. Assume Justin's outside at the corner also. Jalen's there, and he's playing quarters. If you motion him down, Jalen can go with and then become the nickel. Assuming you're a nickel, then the nickel can become the corner. Or Jalen can motion down and become the safety, and the safety drop down to be the nickel or the linebacker. So the it's possible with a player like that. But again, what you're doing there is you're having to adjust four players. Right. What you do. Based off of one motion. Your whole identity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you can do that once. It might work. If they motion ten times in the game, I guarantee you two or three of those times, somebody's going to blow it. And that's the point of, of having right. a player like this. There's, you know, and, and if they blow it and Kirk Cousins hits it, that's six points. And that's all you need. And the Vikings have Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne, who are exactly. very good wide receivers. Who, by the way, I tweeted this, were on the field the whole time. Which is a very Rams thing to do also, is to have your same three wide receivers play every down so you can go up tempo, so you don't have to substitute them, uh, because they can do everything. And it, it, Yeah, it's, it's going to be a freaking problem, man. It's going to be a problem. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. All right, let's get through these woofs pretty quickly. I'll go first. I'm taping this from Bristol, Connecticut, so I'm actually contractually obligated. I haven't hit my quota of Cowboys talk today. Uh, hopefully this accomplishes that. Um, my woof is Jerry and Stephen Jones. Yeah. It's not Dak Prescott. It's not the Cowboys. It's not even Mike McCarthy. All of those aspects of the team were bad as well. I, you know, Dak had a bad game before he got hurt. There's skill players, whatever. But... I was just struck by how ill-prepared this team was from a roster standpoint for this season with the skill players that they had. And then the fact that they didn't have a better backup quarterback than Cooper Rush, who frankly is, I would say, maybe famous last words, this can be come back to bite me if he like goes on a roll, but I don't think he's good. I think he is a bottom 10 back backup quarterback in this league. Um, he's extremely bad when pressured, by the way. I, people are like, well, I beat the Vikings last year. Over the course of his career, when Cooper Cup is pressured, do you know what his QBR is? Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. I keep saying Probably Cooper like um, one. It's five. So it's close. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, ta- he, gets, he gets sacked at an extraordinarily high rate. When he's pressured, he's sacked 30% of the time. Dominic, I don't know if you've been noticing, um, but the Cowboys offensive line, it's not a strength anymore. So yeah. I just don't see this working out. But but more importantly, like I don't, there's nothing they can do. Like I, People have been saying, oh, they should go get this guy, this guy. No, they, there's none of the good teams are going to trade them their backup quarterbacks. Like, uh-uh. I don't know, a Baltimore with a Tyler Huntley. Yeah. And Dallas now, if Dak is back out for just four or five games or whatever they're not gonna make a dumb trade this is something they should have addressed in the offseason and they didn't like so many other things they were the worst offense in the league by um epa this week one <laughs> talk about bad that is really bad you can't blame one person and then you compound it by having jerry jones presumably rushing dak prescott back oh, from injury which oh, yeah. is like talk about Wolf. That is just I. I, didn't I don't that. know if he knows something about medicine that none of us know. They got some special um, elixir down there, but six to eight weeks is six to eight weeks. Just because you want him back doesn't mean that he's going to be back, and it could prolong it, make things worse. And what it's not going to do is like improve you guys' chances this season. Right. It just seems like almost a blessing in disi- disguise to have Dak hurt. Just go ahead and ride this out the best you can and start rebuilding and setting for next year uh, while um, getting more experience to other guys. Rushing Dak back, I think, is the absolute worst could thing not, that they could do. Could not agree more. And, yeah, I mean, we were talking about a quarterback at the beginning of this podcast who was rushed back from injury or rushed himself back. I don't know. But mm-hmm. it was ugly, and it was a mistake. Um, Russell Wilson, they were worse. Way, so. They were worse than the 49ers who played in a bowl of soup. Like, by EPA, they're negative 17. The 49ers and the Rams were both negative 12. And that is incredibly bad. (sighs) All right, who's your wolf? Um, My wolf was Nathaniel Hackett, but we did that already. So we can go with the Falcons for choking it away. That's pretty wolfy. It was fun, though. Exciting. Do you come out of that with any, like, I know they choked it, but, like, do you come out of that with any enthusiasm for the Falcons? Yeah. I mean, it was encouraging. Um, Arthur Smith storming out was funny, but it was encouraging because they had hold of this game and they had interesting and fun offense, which yeah. is nice. They have a lot of talent on that, or playmakers at least on that side yeah. of the ball. But um, 
I don't think anyone was expecting them to be competitive in that. But then once they had it in hand, like them and uh, the Texans also just kind of squandered an opportunity, which was embarrassing. But, yeah, the Colts could fall into the wolf category. Uh, that's a big wolf for me. Yeah. yeah I thought they were like, good. biggest letdowns. Yeah, and um, Matt Ryan's one of your guys. Like, I feel like... I'm giving him another week before I address <laughs> what we saw from Matt Ryan. Giving it another uh, week. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like a lot of, I think the Niners being a letdown, uh, clearly. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I can explain the way the Niners let down. There, yes. there was certainly a lot to be concerned about there Weird. with Trey Lance's decision-making, but... They're playing in conditions that they will never, ever play it in again. Also, like well, here's, here's my big concern about the Niners. I'm about to talk about this on NFL Live. I, didn't, I don't think Trey Lance played well. I thought Justin Fields looked a lot better than him. But the Niners' offensive line stinks. I was shocked. <laughs> uh, and that's not something that is about the conditions. Like they, uh-huh. I, We talked a lot about the center and, you know, Jake Brendel, and, you know, moving on from Alex Mack and whatnot. But, like, I thought outside of Trent Williams from the, the left guard on, this is not a good group anymore. I don't know yeah. when that happened. Like, it, it, it was happened like, fast. happened real fast. <laughs> and, like, it's going to be a real problem for Lance, who we know holds on to the football a long time. Um,. And if they can't, with Elijah Mitchell's now, if they can't execute any of the stuff with him in the run game, like the design, design run game either, it's going to really constrict what they do on offense because so much of that offense is dependent on you know having that sort of multiplicity. Yeah, I thought they were good on the offensive line, to be completely honest with you, and maybe I just was getting hung up on looking in this at game? Williams only. No, 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 no. Oh, you meant coming into this, this yeah, yeah, Coming yeah, into yeah, this yeah, season, yeah. I, I consider their offensive line um, – not a weakness, maybe not a strength, but not a weakness. But maybe I was just thinking about Trent Williams going in motion and plowing through people in playoff games. But yeah, they they made the Bears defense like Demarcus Robinson, I think his name is. I forget. <laughs> he was absolutely toasting McGlinchey uh, yeah. in the right side. I don't know. So yeah, um, the Bears, man. Bears. My Bears, love them. Your Bears, your Bears. They they had a Week One Super Bowl too. <laughs> Let's keep it real, Bears fan. Y'all, y'all oh, no, no, that. not on this podcast. I'm not trying okay. to anger them. You, you can anger right. Bears fans yeah, on your own podcast. Come on over to my podcast if you want to get mad. <laughs> um, all right, thank or you, if Dominique. You get honest, I'm sorry. We'll be back next week. Like I said, let us know in the reviews what how you feeling about the new format, what kind of stuff you want. Um, but this has been fun. Awesome. Let's wrap.